Welcome back, Life Group Leaders, to another episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. I feel like I've been freed from prison right now, Pastor Hayden, so I'm excited because we're back. Prison? Oh, just because we didn't do this last week? We haven't done it. It just feels a little bit. All right, good. Well, this is Pastor Evan, and I'm joined with Pastor Hayden, as you found out. But here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples. We reach people for Christ. We teach people to be like Christ and train people to serve Christ. And everything that we do, like this podcast or the life groups that you lead, is to fulfill that mission to reach, teach, and train. Well, Pastor Hayden, it is glad it's, it's, it's awesome to be back here in the podcast recording room studio extraordinaire. <laughs> it's just a table and a couple mics. But we are glad to be back so that we are able to l- help lead you guys as you lead your life groups this week. Well, Pastor Hayden, you're going to be preaching on another sermon in the series of teamwork out of Colossians chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. And let me read for that, read that for us right now. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Well, Pastor Hayden, these are just some names and references of people. So, I mean, what what on earth can we really pull from this text? Mm. Well, the people are in the Bible because God wants them to be. And Paul has something to say about these folks. That's why they are in the text, because Paul, when he thinks about these three people, uh, that he has a lot of things in his heart and in his mind, and he wants that to be known, and God wanted that to be known to his church today. And so that's why we go verse by verse, because we want to teach everything that God wants his church to know, and we believe that God wants his church to know about Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice. And so we're here to talk about it. You can find uh, a lot of the significance of this text in the last part of verse 11. Uh, But for now, in this podcast, what we need to know is it is our Christian assignment to provide comfort to one another, even at great personal cost, as we go about the mission of God. And that's what we are going to focus on this weekend, is comfort, is the topic of comfort, the subject, what the Bible says about it, what Colossians 4, 10, and 11 say about it. And obviously, when the Apostle Paul thought about these three men, it brought him great comfort. There are things that these men did, uh, things and events that they were a part of in the life of Paul that gave Paul great comfort, and it gives us a message today of how Christian brothers and sisters ought to be uh, comforting one another in such a way to give us strength and encouragement and a zeal to continue about the work of ministry. Well, Pastor Hayden, you said earlier this week that you were really excited after I've been really studying mm-hmm. this text and diving deep into who these people are. Uh, what are some of the like, kind of helpful insights that you've gained as you study the lives of uh, these men that Paul describes? When you look at this text, it's of no surprise to anyone when you read this, thinking, what in the world am I going to do with a verse that says, hey, these people say hi? I mean, that's really what this says. I mean, hey, these people want to greet you. They said, hi, I'm ending the letter, trying to land the plane. But you have to remember that every single word 
in the Bible is inspired by God. That means it's breathed out by him, that the Holy Spirit superintended right through the apostles and the prophets, uh, everything that he wanted us to know. And so when I'm looking at this text, it has something to say to us. And so what we have to understand, especially when you look at texts like this, is the text may not give us a lot of context, but history gives us a lot of context. The Bible narrative gives us a lot of context. And so when I'm looking at these names, and as you're studying names in the Bible, it would be helpful for you to go find these people in other places in Scripture. Where is Aristarchus throughout the book of Acts? Well, he's all over it. I mean, he's there 80% of the time, and no one even knows about this guy. I mean, this guy was all about missionary uh, advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know Mark, John Mark, the gospel is named after him, the gospel of Mark. This is the guy right here. And there's so much you need to know about his, you know, spotty, flaky relationship with the apostle Paul and his closeness with Peter, and he's related to Barnabas. I mean, these are people you guys know. And it's important for us to know what was going on in the life of, of John Mark. And Justice, the poor guy can't even keep his name because he's named after Jesus. He has to be called Justice, uh, which, again, you're going to see a lot of people with different names, right? You're going to have uh, John Mark, right? John is his Jewish name. Mark is his Greek name. So you have a lot of people with two different names. Even Paul, uh, Paul, his, uh, his, Saul is his Hebrew name, right, his Jewish name. And Paul is his Greek name. Right? A lot of people say, well, Saul became Paul. No, it's, he just has two names, like most people did in that time who you know, interacted with different uh, cultures in the Greek-speaking areas as well as the Jewish areas. But that's either here or there. Nor there. Uh, what you need to understand when we look at texts like this is the historical, uh, the historical, uh, I, I guess, place that these uh, verses play is how you're going to find the real meaning behind why Paul is talking about these guys. You have to understand the history. When you talk about Paul, you need to go into Acts. Right? Acts tells you all about Paul's uh, missionary journey, all about Paul's ministry uh, to the Gentiles, and you find these guys popping in and out throughout those texts. And so that's important for you to know. Uh, the, some, another insight that's just a little bit helpful I just think is very good as a devotional insight. Uh, these three men are singled out in a clump because they are these men. They are those who are a part of the circumcision, the only men of circumcision among fellow workers for the kingdom of God. Now, why is that important? That's just important because we understand these guys are Jewish. Okay, these guys are Jewish, which you see throughout the New Testament. There's always, a, there's oftentimes, I shouldn't say always, but there's often a division between Gentiles and Jews. Right. Jews didn't like Gentiles. Gentiles didn't like Jews because of their culture, because of their traditions, because of their worldviews. Uh, but here I find it super just important and a blessing in, in my life as I read this and say, there were three Jewish guys out doing missionary work to Gentiles. I mean, these guys weren't about their race. They weren't about their heritage. They weren't about their uh, they weren't about anything else but the advancement of the gospel. And Paul calls them out and saying, these are my Jewish brothers, and we're out here trying to reach Gentile, uh, Gentiles who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I love this text because what we're going to make primary in our life is not, uh, is not that we're Jewish, not that we're Greek, right? not where we're from. I mean, uh, we, we look at uh, Aristarchus, he's from Thessalonica. Uh, we have these people who are, who are Asians. We have these people uh, who are all these different races and ethnicities, but that doesn't matter. 
What matters is the gospel, and that's why I love it here. He says, these are the only men of the circumcision, the Jewish brothers who are coming with me to reach a Gentile world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love that. And I just think that's a good insight as you're looking into uh, the, the lives of these men and the mission that Paul was on to reach the Gentiles. All right, so Pastor Hayden, as we have you know begun our life groups again for the summer uh, weeks uh, to come, how can we see these men and see the you know the three points that you have for us? Like, what are the connections? How did these men you know, fulfill the three points that you're communicating for us as a life group, so that we can then in turn lead our life groups this week and communicate how these men are a model of these three points? The first thing you got to do in our life, and these men did it is you got to stay focused on making disciples. And that's what happened here. Uh, And and when I say making disciples, we're talking about the mission of God for his people. I mean, that is everyone's mission, is to make disciples. Uh, And if these these disciples, these guys we're talking about this weekend, didn't stay focused on that, they weren't going to be of any help to one another anyway, especially when they were suffering and when they were going through hardships, which we'll talk about a lot this weekend. But they were focused on the mission of God to make disciples. And so when hardship came, when they needed to be with one another, and they needed to invest in one another, and they needed to care and comfort one another, uh, they were able to do it, and they weren't going to leave. And they weren't going to stop, and they weren't going to quit, and they weren't going to stop, and they weren't going to quit because they were focused on the mission of God. And even when when we're going to talk about the one who did leave for a brief period of time, reconciled and came back because the mission of God was so important. It was so pivotal that they got this right. And that's why for us, in our church, we're not going to get this thing right. We're not going to get this comforting brothers and sisters right. We're not going to get this going all in and going all out for the gospel. We're not going to be getting discipleship. We're not going to get we're not gonna get anything right if we're not focused on the mission of God, right? I mean, even this idea of reconciling, right? Don't, we all would love to see you know marriages reconciled and children reconciled with their parents and all these people in right relationship with one another. But there is no reason to do that when you're looking at a secular world, when you're looking at people who are isocentric, when life is about me, when life is about what I can get, and I don't want to be in an uncomfortable situation. But sometimes the gospel puts us in uncomfortable situations. And if I can keep my mind on the will of God, that he wants everyone to be reconciled to him, and he says, hey, those of you who have reconciled to me already, you've been given a ministry of reconciliation, so you need to be reconciling. You need to be comforting one another. Uh, we even read that, and we're going to talk about it a little bit this weekend, just this idea that God, the God of all comfort, has comforted you, comma, listen to this, comma, so that you can comfort others who are in any affliction. I mean, this idea that you have been comforted by God, not for yourself, not so that you can, you know, lay on the couch or in the corner in your bed because, you know, your life is going so bad, and the, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, wraps you up and comforts you for your own good. God comforted you so that you could comfort other people. I mean, that is just completely countercultural. It's not about you. Even when God comforts you, it's still about you going and comforting other people. It's still not about you. And that, I think, is so important that if we, if we wrap our minds around that this week, then we're going to be a church on fire for God, a church on fire uh, for the Word of God. And I think we're going to be able to apply so much that people will miss because they'll we will realize that this is about the mission of God. And that does mean that we need to comfort each other. We need to be in the presence of one another. We need to get past 
whatever grudges we've had against one another because we're out here for the mission of God. Nothing else is more important than that, especially when it comes to so-and-so hurt me or, or I hurt so-and-so. It's like, okay, we need to reconcile. We need to forgive. We need to move past because we got something bigger here. And the bigger is not me. The bigger is God. Essentially, these men fulfilled the, the commandment that Jesus gave the disciples in, in John 15, something that you know, we read in our daily Bible reading uh, this past week. You know, this is, it's really cool to see that these men did what the, Jesus told the disciples. These men weren't really in the, the, the room when Jesus said these words, but the disciples did a good job discipling others and living this out, that these men also in turn were good, good disciples and followed Christ. When, he, when Christ said, this is my commandment, that you love one another that as I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Oh, Jesus did that on the cross. The disciples did that for the people around them. And now we see these men as examples that God wants us to remember their names. To They're laying down their lives. They're laying down their, the comforts and the needs for others. And, and now we remember them 2,000 years later. Hmm. So, Pastor Hayden, uh, we're back in life groups and back in the full swing of things. What what direction would you have for us as we prepare these questions and prepare to lead these questions and, and have discussed these questions? What is your, your guidance and, and direction that you have for us? These are very practical questions. And since they're very practical, they get to the bottom of things. Now, the problem with when you get to the bottom of things, people don't like pointing the finger at themselves and so instead of giving commentary on the questions or on the scriptures, what we want to happen is for people to apply it to their own lives. Right? It says write down some things we can do. Uh, how, are, how can we do that this week? What are some personal costs, even in the question number five, what are some personal costs that can be associated with comforting others? I mean, these are real, uh, real questions that get to the bottom of... Uh, the, the point of, you know, how can you provide comfort to one another? Right? Even if it costs us something, even if it costs us a great deal, you know, how can we uh, know what the Bible says about comforting? How can we know what God's will is when it comes to the way that we comfort people? Uh, I mean, I could keep going, and, and, and even how things like grudges can create roadblocks in, in, our, in the way that we are commanded to comfort one another. I mean, I just think this is going to be a very good sermon uh, to really nail down this idea that your church ought to be a place of comfort for brothers and sisters in Christ, and not a place of division, not a, not a place uh, of uh, consternation, not a place uh, of, of just strife and, 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 and anger and... Um, yeah, I mean, I just think it's, it should be a place that we desire to go to because we feel the comfort of the brothers and sisters, and it's that comfort that we ourselves have been comforted by God. And that right there is the picture of the church. And what a great example we, we can be for others in this church who are, as Pastor Doug preached on, maybe having a weaker moment in the faith, or even the outsiders, of the, our neighbors, or our coworkers, the, the people who are unbelievers in the community around us, to be able to see how we are able to reconcile where the world has no hope, there is no chance. Right, and that is something that, that often that we get, you know, because people ask, well, shouldn't we be comforting everyone? It's like, sure, uh, sure, but, but the responsibility and the priority is to the brothers and sisters in Christ. And the reason, well, why? Uh, because we're different, and we're different for a reason. And you want people on the outside to look in and say, wow, those people comfort each other. What in the world is going on? What? Why don't we see that anywhere else in the world? Uh, because you have the Holy Spirit 
who's in that whole organization. And every soul who calls that place home, there is God. And that's the difference. And it's not that we, we choose not to comfort other people, but there is a comfort and a fellowship and a communion that we have that no one else has. And so it is different. It's qualitatively different. I mean, there is a complete difference between the, the sanctified souls in Christ and the, in the world outside. And you want them to look in and say, I want whatever they have. And that's the gospel. And the beautiful part is it's not for our reputation. It's the reputation of God. It's on, it's on the line. It's at stake. And so for us, we, yes, we're Christians. We're going to sin, but we want to be able to show people the alternative to what every culture that the world has to offer is there's a reason why you're, you're empty. There's a reason why you're still in conflict. Right. We have a solution. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called God. And the problem that we face is oftentimes it is not the churches that show the most comfort. Right? It's not the churches that w- when, we, when we have a grievance against us, the first thing we want to do is make it about us, and we try to blow it up and make it as big as we can and as grand as possible to create the biggest stink in the world. And it's like, that's not going to advance the gospel. Right? That's going to put churches where the, where the world's put them. Get them over there. I don't want to be a part of that. I mean, that's hypocritical. Right? That, that's hypocrisy, and I don't want that. I want something different. And what that different thing is is the very thing that we got to display, that light on a hill, right? The, the lamp on a, on, a, on a post. I mean, that's what we're trying to show. And I'm not going to try to cover it up uh, because I'm making things about me. And i got to make sure that, that my life is about the gospel and that I'm trying to make the church look as uh, spotless as I can, or at least stay out of the way of Christ making his church spotless. And I guess that's the better way to put it, right? It's like, I've got to stay away and, and not make some blemishes on the thing that Christ has made clean. And that is, is my job to make sure uh, that we're, we're setting up the church apart, uh, which is what it is. And we're just trying not to make it look uh, like something that it's not. And that is, that is divisive, that is outside the right relationship with God, because that's exactly what the church is, in right relationship with God. And we should be in right relationship with one another, displaying the magnificence of our newfound, resurrected life in Christ. Well, Pastor Hayden, there's probably a plethora of resources that we can probably point our, our leaders to. But what are what are two resources that we we've written down that we would you know highly recommend to say, hey, these are good books to have in your catalog as leaders mm-hmm. to be able to help shepherd the life group. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll like I like a lot of the Jay Adams books. I like the counseling books, and Competent to Counsel is a good one by Jay Adams. It's a good introductory book. Uh, that does talk about the, the ministry of comforting and the ministry of counsel and the admonishment that goes with that. And comforting isn't always a hug and a kiss, right? I mean, comfort comes in a lot of ways. Uh, and Jay Adams, I think, does a good job in his book uh, that helps you understand, hey, how can you give help that is truly helpful? And now we talk about that a lot. Like what our world wants to tell us is, you know, here's the kind of help that you need to give. Well, oftentimes that kind of help is not helpful at all. Right? We need to be helpful, and that's another, and you may not know this, and of course you may not if you haven't studied this, but uh, the word comfort that we're going to be focusing on is also often translated help. And so the idea that you're comforting people should also come with the understanding that you're helpful, that you're helping someone. And when we're counseling people biblically, we're opening up God's Word and saying, what does God's Word say about this? Now that's comfort that's helpful. 
another book to be able to have on your bookshelf. This is a Compass Books recommendation is The Freedom and Power of Forgiveness by John MacArthur. Just a helpful resource to kind of help breaks down what biblical forgiveness looks like and how we as Christians need to do it. And mm. so there is a process, there is you know biblical guidance for that. And so make sure it's, you know how to equip people on how to forgive. There's too many times where you know, Pastor Hayden and I are in the counseling room and people don't understand what true forgiveness is. And so they don't want to grant it when we have to explain, oh, this is what it looks like. They're like, oh, okay, this this makes sense. Okay, this is what biblically is supposed to happen. Mm. Um, Pastor Hayden, there is also there's a book that that floats around within the Christian circles that we we do you know want to kind of it's more of a warning uh, about. Um, so it's a it's a book that's out there called Gentle and Lowly, and so this is a very popular book. But what is the warning that we would have for our life group leaders with this book that's going to be mentioned most likely in life groups potentially? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's multiple, but one that I think about is just this idea of zooming in on some of the attributes of, of Christ, right, and, and focusing in on just the fact that Jesus was gentle and lowly. Uh, there are some heresies in the early church just about humanizing Christ so much you take his deity away, or this idea that, uh, you know, Christ was he, was, he was a man just like you and me, and he was just like gentle and lowly, and uh, we kind of forget about this idea of the Son of Man, or this idea of Daniel 7, or when we look in Revelation and see Christ exalted and highly and lifted up. And, and we want to focus uh, on all of who Christ is. And, and the beautiful part about the, the God was that He did. He came and, and was made in the likeness of human flesh. But in all of that, it was flesh that veiled deity. And uh, you know, I just, just just for me, I mean, there may be something that you want to address there, but for me, it's you just need to be careful when you're reading anything that zooms in on one thing about Christ and doesn't give you the picture of who our Savior is in in fullness. Not that any one volume can do that, uh, but oftentimes we like to make our theologies around one or two things and not about the whole thing. The book came out of an emphasis that you know people were forgetting that you know, Jesus was was fully God and fully human. But like you said, it, it focuses too much on the humanity of Christ and, and forgets the de- deity of it. And so, can it be helpful? Potentially. But it's a book that I would I would steer closer towards competent counsel or even the freedom and power of forgiveness. And so those are books I recommend. So what to do in life group, someone brings it up and say, oh, there's another book that we, the pastors recommended called competent counsel or freedom and power of forgiveness. You should, should check those out. And so when you deal with this, deal with it tactfully and gently and compassionately and, and just point them towards the direction of other helpful resources that we have given. And, and there are other people. I mean, I think uh, Mark Dever in their church, I mean, they endorse this book and there are other people and here, here's what we're saying we're not saying that it's 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 a terrible book don't ever buy it or don't ever read it or don't ever learn about it or it's not okay to think of christ as gentle and lowly uh, but it's just this idea of of giving a side of christ and not giving the whole picture of christ and i'm telling you there are there are heresies in the early church on both sides of this here's the deity of christ and we don't want to ascribe humanity to him because that would be to, 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 to extinguish this idea of who God is which is which is wrong it's a heresy right or in this idea of saying that you know Jesus was all man and no God I mean these are both heresies I mean you got to see the whole thing that he was fully man and fully God uh, and if you think well you know heresies that's just crazy people now there's heresies going around in the church today and so we're all we're saying is when you read things like this we're all inches away from heresy 
And so it's why we were careful about how, what, what books we recommend, what books we don't recommend, not because there's anything helpful in it. Uh, I mean, I think of the heresies. I'm reading a book or listening to a book on church history right now, and so many of the heretics are, are just so passionate about this idea that Jesus was a man or Jesus was God. And it was like he was both, and we got to appreciate the doctrine of, of the incarnation. And if we don't appreciate it for what it is in an orthodox biblical understanding, we'll diminish who Christ is, and we can't diminish who Christ is. In the end, we're not calling the author of Gentle and Lily a heretic. No. We would say there's other resources that we recommend before that. So if you right. any takeaway, that's our takeaway. There's your takeaway. All right, Pastor Hayden, we have some training for our life group leaders. That's We've been right. out of practice. We might have to stretch a little bit more. Mm. What is the training that we have for us? Well, as always, we're going to jump into Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. But before we do, uh, I've, I've addressed this with uh, the life groups that I know provide child care. And we, as uh, the pastors of the church... Uh, have come to a conclusion through some things that have been going on and some wise counsel that we've received that we fully, fully, uh, you know, uh, want and desire. Uh, and that is that we're going to have no child care in life groups across the board. And so we've already addressed this with every life group that we are aware of that has a type of life group child care in home, right? That is, you meet at a home and in that same home, you also have a place for the kids in, in the house. What we're saying uh, is that we aren't going to allow child care in the homes. Now, the solution to that is easy. We have a whole night dedicated to life groups with people who have children. If you're a parent and you have kiddos, we have Wednesday night life groups, and we have plenty of them, and we are growing those, and that's a good thing. Uh, And so if you have people in your life group who have kids and they can't figure out what to do with them, we've figured out what to do with them. Go to life group on Wednesday nights. They probably already dropped their kids off at Adventure Club. And so this would just be a small change, if any. Now, this should be no surprise to most of you who are listening to this who have this issue because we've come to you and talked to you. But if by chance we've missed a life group who has child care, please let us know. We want to walk your group through this. Uh, But for the safety of the children, for the uh, safety of our parents, for the adults, Uh, There are a lot of reasons why it's good not to have children uh, off campus in a in a compass environment where we have very little uh, ability to oversee, to put in uh, really helpful uh, protocols, background checks. I mean, all of those things are just so important. Uh, and training on those things are so important. And that's why it takes so much to onboard people here to watch our kids and to teach our kids here on Sunday mornings. And we have none of that if we're just doing random child care and life groups. And so we want to make sure that our children are safe, that our church is above reproach, and to make sure that's going to happen. We have no child care and life groups. If you have any questions about this, please let me know. I'd love to walk you guys through this and lead you guys well in that, uh, that sphere. Now, something else we want to do as we talk about training is we want to answer your questions. We know we've moved life group leader meetings to once a quarter, which is not a lot, right? I mean, four quarters is a dollar. You're not buying a lot with a dollar. Uh, And what we want to do is help answer questions that you have. So if you have any questions that you would like us to address here on the podcast, you can email me at Hayden at CompassHillCountry.org. And uh, yeah, I mean, if we, uh, we, we get a lot of questions, we'll try to answer as many of them as we can. And we'd like to do that to help train you guys to learn how to lead your life group. Questions like, hey, I mean, I deal with this a lot. Help me think about this. Maybe other people are dealing with this. Let's, let's come together and help each other. Uh, and so, yeah, 
uh, submit your questions there, and we'll help do training there. But we have uh, Chapter 6 of Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders, and this is entitled Insights on Leadership from Paul. Pastor Evan, what do you have, uh, your thoughts on Chapter 6? Like always, it is a very brief chapter, but he's breaking down the qualifications in First Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 7, and just illuminating the qualifications that Paul has for, you know, God has for pastors and leaders. And some of the qualifications, these are the qualifications as, as leaders we need ourselves. And so he breaks them down into social qualifications, um, moral qualifications, mental qualifications, uh, personality, and domestic qualifications, and, and, matru- and he lands it with uh, maturity um, qualifications. And, you know, this is why you guys are life group leaders, because you have these, you know, qualifications that we see for deacons in, in your lives to say, these are, you are people that we want our church to emulate as we're, you're imitating us, as we are imitating Christ. And so it's a very helpful chapter that breaks down these different qualifications in a deeper manner, but also connects several, um, several of them. But the main, the main thrust, one of the main quotes that I found helpful was on, I think it was, I didn't even have to have the page. This is on my logos. So it was a quote that how Paul, when he was transformed, when his heart was transformed by Christ, his, his love was boundless. His love was Christ centered. His ambition was Christ centered and his supreme love for Christ was coupled with his uh, love for other people. He he had a love to share Christ's message and also to live an authentic um, missionary, um, life to be able to help you know, lead others to Christ. And so for him, he was able to navigate different cultures and, and barriers that in his lifetime that he would able to evangelize to Jews in the synagogue and then turn to the pagans in, in, in Athens. And for us as life group leaders, we're going to have a lot of different people who walk through into our homes or on the, on the church campus. And they come from the different life stages. And so for us, this is a helpful chapter for us so that we can lead different groups of people. Yeah, and when I think of you guys, you know, we talk about you guys being mature and steadfast, even as one of the quotes in the book was talking about, and how it's, that's just a, a natural outflowing of uh, maturing faith in Christ. Uh, and what we want is make sure that keeps going. I mean, where you are right now isn't where God wants you to be a month from now, and two months from now, and three months from now. So I want you to see that even as scripture, as far as Scripture goes, it goes all the way, right? Everything about our life and godliness, right? It, through the power of God. Uh, and we have His Word that is inspired. It, it teaches us, it trains us, right? and equips us. And, and for you, it's like, hey, you are uh, a life group leader at our church, and the goal is that you keep growing. Because if you're not going to grow, your life group's not going to grow. Uh, and you can't give people what's left in your life. you got to give them the overflow of your life. And, and that means that you got to be growing in the Lord. you got to be Christ-centered and boundless in your love and ready to do the work of ministry. And so it's not, hey, I give you what I have left in my tank. It's like, hey, you're so full of the love of God and of the mission of God that it's just overflowing and people catch some of that overflow and they catch on fire for the glory of God. And uh, for you guys, just that's what it's like. And that's what it means to be a life group leader. And so it isn't that you stand where you are because you're a life group leader, but you keep growing and you keep equipping the saints for the work of ministry. 
Now we're gonna wrap up because we've gone pretty long in this. Uh, this we got a lot to say today. It was the first one back. Making making up for last time. We have some announcements. Life groups are back, Woo-hoo! and you know it because you just you're just in a life group. So adults, students, kids, we have it all, and so we're back in action. Uh, and we even have our kids Wednesday night uh, life groups for parents with kids, and so make sure that everyone knows life groups are back. We also have a real cool announcement. We are excited. Very exciting. To announce that we, we have opened a bookstore Woo-hoo! in our lobby. Are you yeah. kidding me, man? That is so exciting. Right now, this week, this Sunday only, we're only selling Bibles. I think that's a good book to sell. That's a, the best book in the world. I learned not only is the Bible the best-selling book in history, it is every single year the number one book sold. That's pretty cool. That's amazing. And we are selling Bibles this Sunday, but after this Sunday, we're also going to have other titles and other volumes at the bookstore for you to purchase. You can always purchase a ton of books at the Compass online bookstore, but compassbooks.org. But we're going to have some there in the lobby for people to buy. If your people need ESV Bibles, ESV study Bibles, or even in the next uh, couple weeks, just some good Christian content that they can take and read, we'll have a bookstore open starting this Sunday. We also have a lot of stuff going on in our kids and students. Briefly, would you like to talk us through what's going on with the camps? We got camps. We Sign got a up lot for them. of them. The All end. Right. I'm there just kidding. No, we got some <laughs> awesome kids camps coming up. We had flyers finally delivered, so grab some this weekend, pass those out, and we mm-hmm. have a student summer camp called Revival that we want your incoming 6th graders to 12th graders to join. It's at Carolina Creek. It's in July 20th. Uh, parents can drop a deposit before paying the full amount, so let's get ki- uh, students registered for camp um, Pastor Hayden, your your wife is leading my a wife women's event. Got women's breakfast June twenty fifth. So join my wife and other Compass women on Saturday, June twenty fifth at ten a.m. here at Compass Bible Church for fellowship, breakfast, worship, and teaching from God's word on the dangers of our words from James three, the power of the tongue. And finally, Pastor Hayden, you and I will be on the stage at the same time. Ooh, Why is that? We are because we have child dedications coming up on June nineteenth. That's literally a week away. And so we would love for you, if you haven't dedicated your kiddos... Or like me. Like Pastor Evan. That's why we'll be on stage. That's why we'll be there together. You can at the 9 or 11 a.m. have your family up before the congregation and, and commit to raising your child for Christ. And we're going to pray over you. And it's a great way for our church to put a face to the names and add them to the prayer list to help them and partner with them in raising their kid to the glory of God. And so if you have anybody who needs to sign up for that, we still have a couple of spots left. You can sign up at compasshillcountry.org. All right, guys, life group leaders, we're so thankful for you guys. We love you, and we look forward to seeing all the things that God is going to do through your leadership here at Compass Bible Church. We look forward to seeing you guys soon. (laughs) 